1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Hall. Oh, Here we go. Two
3: outs in the tenth. Colas at the plate. Bouncing ball. Uribe's
0: got it. He'll take it to the bag himself. And the rookie has his first career save in the major leagues. Abner Uribe
3: finishes it off in style. And the Brewers win a thriller tonight in Chicago seven to six their third consecutive extra inning game. What a ball game tonight.
4: And that was the Brewers television call of last night's final out as the Brewers beat the White Sox 7 to 6. Welcome back in to Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito. And Bruce, we're happy to call and uh, talk to the guy who called that very play on our uh, score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book.
5: Brian Anderson's voice is heard everywhere. He's heard on Brewers TV. He's heard on Fox. He's heard on TBS. And now he's being heard on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Brian, good morning. Thanks for taking some time out today. We appreciate uh, your time here. And a lot of exciting games for you and the Brewers over the last week. How many ga- How many extra inning games is this this week for the Brewers?
3: <laughs> well, they've... They've had three in a row. It's great to be with you, Vine, of course. Um, They've had three in a row. They've had four in the last seven days. Uh, And they've actually played pretty well. I mean, the Brewers play so many extra inning games or close games, one, two-run games. It's just kind of what they do. I was texting with Lynn Casper last night, and he mentioned this is kind of what the White Sox do after that game, and as disappointing of a year as it's been on the South side, but I responded the same. this is kind of what the Brewers do too. They, they just, they play the good teams close and they play the teams that are struggling close. And that's just the way the season goes. I I swear. It feels like every game is going right down to the end. Makes it very entertaining, of course. And um, they've lost some heartbreakers, but the, you know, in extra innings, especially they're eight and three now. So they've, They've handled themselves pretty well um, in those close, late games. Yeah, and and Brian,
4: certainly a game that, uh, at least early on, did not look great despite uh, Burns starting. Uh, The Sox got out to an early lead, but you guys fought back. And I know Cub fans uh, rooting for the White Sox for once, uh, not too happy about the result. But uh, Milwaukee sits two and a half games
3: up in the Central
4: after that great comeback yesterday.
3: Yeah, that was very unusual. For Corbin Burns, he had been on this great run. He was the pitcher of the month of the National League, of the month of July. He had uh, seven consecutive quality starts until last night, but that that was in the mud for sure. But to his credit, you know, and I think aces do get a little more leash, a little more leeway. Craig Council did allow him to try to get himself right. And, you know, at one point he had retired seven in a row. He, um, he gave up a hit there at the end so he couldn't get through six innings but to his credit he fought his way through it he knew he was gonna gonna have a bad line um but he's been pitching great and now the brewers have their their key pitchers back you know he um he is joined in the rotation now with Brandon Woodruff who pitches today and then Freddie Peralta so their big three with Burns Woodruff and Peralta are all Back and healthy. It's the first time they've all been healthy and pitched in the same series in over a year. You got to go back to last year in August, the last time that happened. So I think they're glad to have all those pieces back. And Burns is the co-ace with Woodruff, and you know I think last night just wasn't his best, but you know ended up uh, going five and two thirds anyway.
5: Brian, I'm a big fan of uh, Craig Councils, and I've been following his career since he was a player, and then going to the Brewers front office uh, and then, uh, you know, ascending eventually into the manager's job. And I just wonder if you can talk a little bit about his personality and the the tenacious nature of him as a player and as a front office person and as a manager and how that uh, impacts this team and and the way he goes about his job and the way the Brewers go about their business every day.
3: Yeah. And you forgot his brief stint as a, quality broadcaster on brewers television
5: oh, That's right. That's right. <laughs> he did a few games <laughs> with me
3: and uh, he he can do anything i think he'd be great at anything if he and i've told him this many times if he if he wanted to do television he would be the he could be the number one analyst in the sport um he's that good he, he took to it really well obviously his time in the front office i think when he when he first retired he thought he he wanted to go that route because just to get off the field and probably stop traveling at the level that he had been as a player all those years and he's got four kids and but I think you know that it was not scratched in the front office and that's really why he wanted to continue to manage he he I thought he was going to be leaving the organization um he pulled his name out of the hat with the Tampa Bay Rays. They ended up going with Kevin Cash. And I think the Brewers at that point realized we better make a move here or else we may lose him. And, and then they let Ron Reneke go, who had been very successful in Milwaukee in five years and had been to the postseason, won a division, and council took over the 2015 season. And, you know, he, he's been the best manager in the game the last few years. This is his ninth year. I can't believe it. He's the longest tenured manager in the National League. And um, and I think he's a free agent, Vine. Uh, he he turned down an extension. He he wants to see where this year takes him. And I don't know if he's going to manage next year. Um, he's going to have two sons. His oldest two are both going to be in the Big Ten playing college baseball. One at Minnesota, one at Michigan. And he's got two daughters that are, you know, in, in high school and middle school now. And I think I think he may take a few years off or who knows, he may go elsewhere. I, I'm not sure. This is going to be a fascinating off-season, though. It's going to be a huge story in Milwaukee. You know, he's a Whitefish Bay native. He's homegrown. He loves the city. He loves the state of Wisconsin. Part of the fabric. Of Milwaukee baseball, and I think he's at the top of the game right now, uh, in my opinion. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Craig Council, um at at the end of this year, on in the next season, if he even manages is going to be a big question. If he manages in Milwaukee, if he decides to stay, or if he goes elsewhere, but it'll be it'll be a, the the big biggest headline in the sport as far as Wisconsin fans go, um, as we finish the season.
4: Certainly. That's Brian Anderson. You recognize his voice from Fox TV, from Milwaukee Brewers play-by-play on Bally Sports, and uh, we're happy to have him here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Brian, we were talking earlier about some of the moves the Cubs made at the deadline and how they've been paying off. The Brewers made some moves, some understated moves, but, you know, we saw Santana batting third last night. Fralick, not a... A trade or anything but a guy called up and uh, he has been a, a solid contributor what have you seen and, and what do you like about what uh, Milwaukee has done here going forward to try to win it this season
3: yeah Mark Hanna, who delivered the RBI double in the 10th inning last night was you know an acquisition they didn't go out and make the big splash I think for the Brewers their you know their whole game plan was number one to get Brandon Woodruff back and they have done that so this will be his second start today. Um, They weren't willing to part with a lot of their top prospects. And so you can argue that, you know, that that's something they could have done and made a bigger splash with a bat. But I don't feel like they, they felt like the the splash bat was too expensive. Um, Eloy Jimenez, his name was, was out there, um, you know, but, they did Bellinger, obviously. I don't, I don't think the Cubs were ever going to trade in the division. and The Cubs got hot. So I think looking at it from afar, you know, they, they did go get the impact bat. But at the same time, I'm not sure there was one bat that could have changed the outlook of their team. And what they really need, they went and got. They got versatile defensive pieces who can hit. And veteran guys that are clubhouse leaders and clubhouse positives and that's what they got in Santana and Marcana and then you know the return of Woodruff on the mound was just was an anchor and then the addition of Sal Frelick, um and then the return of Robbie Tellez too that's a guy that has been injured he's been out of the lineup <clears throat> so I think they feel like they're you know that if, if you're not going to go out and get an impact bat that could change a season, which they didn't feel like was available. Then you get versatile pieces, and you add to your defensive group, um, and you know they call it the run prevention unit. <laughs> yeah. So hmm. that's what they did, and I think they stuck to their plan and the way they run their business. And for that, uh, you got to give them credit. That's their identity, and I, I thought they made a couple of nice moves, um, and they did a lot of great work in the off season. You know they. They traded Hunter Renfro, and they they got Elvis Peguero, who pitched last night. So their bullpen's been great. Um, Peguero being one of those pieces, and then Yoel Payam's being another one of those pieces that came from the Oakland Athletics as part of that three-team trade with the Braves and the A's that also landed them Contreras. So I think they, they feel like they did a lot of their best work this offseason, which I would agree with, and there really wasn't the impact bat available to them. So they just kind of plugged a few holes and you're hoping to get some guys back and then trusting the rookies. I mean, they've, they've had three and four rookies starting per night and they give them a lot of rope and all of them have, have been tremendous and have made great impacts this year.
5: Brian, I'm a, I'm a huge admirer of the Milwaukee franchise and the, the fan base that, Continually draws three million in a very small city. Uh, I think it's a it's a great testament to the, the fans of Wisconsin and uh, the the ownership of the Brewers and how it's run but uh, I was I was shocked to hear uh, you know this week about the possible situation where uh, getting the the ballpark put together properly and and the franchise staying there comes into question now Uh as to whether or not uh, they can get the ballpark, uh, which is now, you know, 22, 23 years old, um, repaired to the part point and updated where it needs to be uh, to move forward, and uh, you know, r- you know, rumors that if it doesn't work out between the authority that represents, uh, you know, the the state on this and the Brewers, that they would be looking elsewhere. Your your thoughts and uh, your ideas about what is transpiring here and what the people should be looking for.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, that's a big story. That's, that's come out this year. I don't, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of it. What I do know about it um, is that, you know, the ballpark, so the brewers are a tenant and the ballpark was built to keep a major league team and attract a major league team and keep a major league team. And so that was done with a multi-county, five counties done with a tax. And so now that tax is, is expiring. And I think from the brewer's perspective, as a tenant, they're looking out ahead of this and now wondering where the funds come from to, maintain the ballpark i mean it's one thing to have a ballpark built but with a stadium like this you, you constantly have maintenance you have upkeep you have everything that makes sure that it's uh it's a quality major league stadium and that that goes into everything from scoreboard to in this case like the biggest one is the roof so mm-hmm. the roof maintenance is a major part of this and i i think you know, the Brewers have real questions about where this money is coming from if the political leaders are, you know, and everybody's running on limiting taxes and stopping taxes, especially on one side of the aisle. So that's really not going to work if you don't have any money coming in to maintain it. The Brewers don't own the facility. And so I don't exactly know what the play is from that side of it. I think the Brewers were... I wouldn't say they're caught off guard, but they're also kind of like, wait a minute, we're, we're leasing this from you. Who, who's going to pay for the upkeep of this uh, moving forward for us to stay here. So hopefully it's just sounding an alarm. That's going to be addressed. I, that's what I would hope, but I, I don't know. I mean, you can't say Brewers fans have been through that. So you can't say they wouldn't leave the the Milwaukee Braves left, Um I don't think it's just like a threat to get something else or get a stadium built. I think that's, you know, that usually happens when you're trying to attract a team and, you know, just look at what's going on in Las Vegas with Oakland right now. And they're still trying to create funds to build a stadium to attract the athletics. And so there's already a stadium here that, that already has a, an occupier and, and a tenant and I think that's where it is. I I don't know. It's pretty simple. I don't think it's more complicated than that. Uh, The Brewers, as the tenant, are saying, wait, where where does the money come from to maintain this ballpark? Because they certainly know what it has taken to maintain it with a tax that has come in all these years. And uh, the Brewers have put in a lot of their own money. So I think it's easy for fans maybe to just to say, well, the 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 ownership they're billionaires they just pay for it well that's you know as a tenant that's not that's not really fair either and that's not the way it works um so i I don't (laughs) i don't really know any more than that but it doesn't seem like a complicated story really it's it's um it's whether or not they can maintain the ballpark to the level that they're going to need to keep the team here and I would say it kind of boils down to keeping the roof open or closed or making sure it does open and close, because right. without it, that's the best part of the ballpark. So um, there are more that's involved. There's more, obviously, but the roof is the major part of that story.
4: Yep, agreed 100% on that, Brian. Uh, last thing for me, at taking our – our lens away from the brewers and from the Cubs for a second, as you look nationally around baseball and you obviously do a, a lot of national work for Fox, what, uh, what teams catch your eye as we head down the stretch here?
3: Yeah, I'm a TBS guy. So I used to be a Fox guy, but we'll, okay. we'll have the national league this year. So we alternate with Fox every year. Fox will Got it. have the American league and uh, we'll be on the national league. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Braves are the best, team in the league that's my perspective on just seeing them even though they're going through a little slump right now but uh the braves are the best team i think the dodgers even in a like a quasi reload i wouldn't call it a rebuild but they're not maybe as dominant as they've been but they've you know they've addressed some needs and they've got some guys coming back so they're dangerous in the national league i do like the cubs actually i think the cubs have a great lineup um and I felt like that all year. And even early in the season, if you if you look at the Cubs, and you just you kind of looked at the landscape and thought, man, if they could pitch a little bit, they've got a chance. I mean, their lineup fits, and they've got versatile pieces. They play hard. Obviously, it's a great environment to play at Wrigley, you know. And they've got a little bit of the of the mojo going now. Cincinnati. My question with them is, do they have enough pitching? Giants are kind of going through inconsistency. The Brewers are at the top of the division, but also a bit of an inconsistent team. Great pitching. Offense, you know, is not there every night. So pretty much wide open, except at the top where I think the Braves um, are by far and away the best team in the National League. The Dodgers are a few ticks below them. And then below that, there's, uh, there's a bunch of teams involved in that third tier. And so that's kind of how you'd handicap it. But, once you get into the postseason, you never know. It's just like what we saw with the Phillies last year, what we saw even going back to the Cardinals in 2011. You just never know. You get a bullpen that's right, you get a team that's that's hot. Uh, you can run the table in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a great postseason. We're excited on TBS because we have the National League this year, and it could be some, you know, could be some epic uh, matchups no matter how you shake it out, um, in the national league. So yeah, we're pumped for that. And we'll have the NLCS this season on
5: TBS. So, uh,
3: we're all anxious to see how it all unfolds and we're glad to be a part of it.
5: Brian, uh, we appreciate the time it's, it's great catching up with you and uh, thanks for the insight as well as, uh, we'll be following you tomorrow on TBS and, uh, Keep up the great work. Enjoyed it very much, and thanks for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse today.
3: All right, guys. Good to be with you.
5: Thanks again. Thank- Brian Anderson, voice of the Brewers and voice of uh, TBS every Sunday, the national game, and, of course, as you mentioned, the National League and TBS as well in the playoffs.
4: Yep, and great to hear his uh, his thoughts, too, on uh, not just the Brewers, but interesting to hear him say uh, some nice things about the Cubs. And, I mean, everyone knows about Atlanta and how they've been dominating this year. But uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, more about the Cubs, certainly, as we go forward, Bruce. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will talk to Ron Coomer. Our friend from Cubs Radio will join us to talk about the Cubs and their series opening win last night. And Toronto Sox fans, we'll get back to you as well and the Liam Hendricks comments uh, that we played earlier uh, about leadership and about clubhouse culture. That's Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that
1: we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bitch. Music. You said my word.
0: And podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: If your day sounds like...
0: We need the report ASAP.
2: You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the of the fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: mobilecom We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw.
2: Left-handed batter against the right-hander, Burrios. The pitch. Drilled. Deep right field going back, Springer at the track near the wall, backing up. Does he have a play? No, it's gone. Cody Bellinger with a two run home run. Cubs up three to nothing as they're playing long ball here in the first.
4: And that's Zach Zaidman on the call last night, right here on the score in the Xfinity Cubs radio network. Cubs beat the Jays six to two. Cody Bellinger continues to do it all. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito filling in for David Haw today on Inside the Clubhouse, another half hour from us. And, Bruce, we're happy now to jump on out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook.
5: All I have to say is Coom, and everybody knows Coombe. who our next guest is. Coom, Ron Coomer who does great work on the score, doing all the Cub games along with Pat Hughes and Zach Zaidman. 162 games worth, or uh, as many as he can work before he needs a timeout, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse today. Coom, good morning. Thanks for taking some time out. And uh, a nice start to the uh, trip to Toronto yesterday.
6: Yeah, it was, Bruce. Mike, great to talk to you guys, first of all. But, yeah, it was. It was a a well-needed day off for the club, and especially the bullpen. And then Javi, you know, really throws a great ball game. And it's odd, you know, he steps up and throws seven innings and really probably could have went out. Now, if he was, you know, a veteran pitcher, they'd have probably ran him out there for the eighth inning too. But I like what David did, you know, getting him off the field after seven innings and really building his confidence and leaving a really positive note, probably the right thing to do. And, um, you know, the offense did its job early in the game to give him a lead. And I think that's really important for young pitchers. So all in all, it obviously it looked like the off day was, uh, uh, first of all, we know well needed after 16 days in a row, but um, well used by the ball club.
4: Coombe and uh, a great start to the game yesterday, really making things uh, very comfortable for Assad as he goes out there with the three runs in the first. And we played belly's home run, uh, the two run shot that uh, just made it over the wall there and right. But, We were talking about this earlier. I mean, he has not only been, you know, one of the best players on the Cubs this season. He's been one of the best players in baseball, certainly since he came back. And, you know, we saw him as an MVP with the Dodgers a few years back. The struggles were well documented, but, I mean, this guy is just clicking on all cylinders right now.
6: Yeah, he's playing great baseball. You know, to me, it started with his defense. Right? You, you look at what he has been able to do defensively for the Cubs in playing center field and playing first base and being, you know, an elite fielder at both positions that, you know, that's some combination as we know, that's not something that happens every day, but he is doing it. He makes nice plays at first. He's done an excellent job at center field. And, uh, you know, so that's first. And then, you know, I really believe, um, his change of approach at home plate and in getting healthy too, right? You know, you you look and he's been banged up shoulder and leg, you know, over the past few years. And obviously that had an impact on him, but he's definitely made some changes in his approach to hitting, um, which, you know, the the people that are trying to set up offenses nowadays um, don't agree with, but it's kind of hard not to agree with a guy who's hitting 320. So, I like it. I think it's a great approach. I think putting the ball in play, extending your at-bat are all things he's doing. And, oh, by the way, he's uh, hitting the ball out of the yard, too, on occasion. So it's, it's been fun to watch.
5: Coom, uh, the, the Chicago Cubs do a lot of little things right. And I think uh, some of that goes unnoticed with teams that compete that have, you know, the Cubs have good talent, but it's, it's, it's uh, just not off-the-chart Atlanta talent on their team. So when you, you see them run the base as well, when you see them hit the cutoff, man, when you see them make the plays that they're supposed to play, not overthrow the ball, um, these things a little bit go unnoticed. I know you talk to talk about them a lot uh, with Pat and with uh, Zach, when you do your broadcasts, but uh, how much of that has gone into the success of the team at this point?
6: Well, I think there's some guys, Bruce, that are just, baseball players on this team and Mm -hmm. you know we use that term kind of loosely and you know they're all baseball players yes but they're not all students of the game and they're not all you know really really good instinctual players and that's been in every year that's just not this era so uh, the Cubs have some really good baseball players that have great instincts of the game and understand what's going to happen before it happens and and can anticipate and, and do things like that and it shows up in particular on the, you know, base running side, you know, you look at Nico and you can tell when Nico, at least I can, when he's, you know, at first base and he's going to take a base, you know, it, you just know he's going to go. He, he's reading the situation. Comes to need a stolen base. He takes, he takes the bad. Uh, I think the, the base running of Cody Bellinger showed up in the New York series on a couple balls hit that he could have, got a poor read and not scored, but he didn't. He got a great read, and he scores from first base um, on a play. And that it was a big play in the game. You know, I think Gansby's another good base runner. Cubs have quite a few of them. So um, that is something that we don't see a lot of um, in the league. I think base running is down a little bit. But uh, all in all, the Cubs have some really good baseball players. And uh, some of them really shows when, when you can help your team win like that.
4: Coom, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, we talk about baseball players and you talk about what the Cubs did this offseason, we're seeing the, you know, the fruits come now from Tyone after he struggled at the start. We're also seeing uh, lots of great things from Dansby, both in the field, on the bases, at the plate. And then, you know, reading uh, an article from Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic yesterday about, you know, the role Dansby played even while hurt, just back and forth with Jed Hoyer, talking about the team and you know what he thought this team could do, and then they got hot, of course, at the right time. But tons of leadership. Uh, I, I, it certainly seems like. I'd love your opinion on on what Dansby brings to the plate.
6: He brings he brings a quiet leadership, and you know, and and maybe it's not so quiet as we're as we're hearing more and more things come out about his his ability to go in and talk with Jed and, and talk with his teammates. I know he's had an impact on Christopher Morrell um, and a very good one. He's obviously talked to Jed. That's documented by Kenny, uh, Kenny Rosenthal. So those are, those are great things. It's why you sign players like Dansby. You sign guys that you want to make the cornerstone of your franchise, and you want them to not only be great players, but you want them to be you know, great people and leaders and be able to do things like that. And I think Dansby is one of those people that, you know, he's a high character guy and you, in, you expect things like that out of him. You know, even though we don't know him as well as we've known other players because of his, you know, short time of being a Chicago Cub, but it sure is pretty glowing when you see him play the game and how he plays the game and the things that he does that, You know, this guy is going to be a really good player for the Cubs and a really good leader for the Cubs for a long time.
5: Coombe, when you uh, take a look at the catching dynamic this year, I don't know if it's been talked about enough, but the the, the way that they're slowly bringing Amaya along, the way that Gomes had uh, grabbed... Uh, the leadership role behind the plate after Contreras left. I, I I don't think it can be understated. I talked to Wade Miley in the Brewers clubhouse yesterday a little bit about it, and and he he just raved about Gomes and the fact that um, how he came in last year when both of them were there with the Cubs and and found his spot there without uh, without shaking up Contreras without uh, having it a, contra- a confrontation. Uh, both of them splitting the duties seamlessly. And, and he gave Gomes the credit for being that leader and that type of guy both on and off the field. Your thoughts about uh, what they've gotten catching-wise from the team this year?
6: Well, the catching situation has been a very good one for the Cubs. And Jan, as we were just talking a couple of minutes ago about great baseball players and people that understand our game, he's got to be on that list too and, and way up the list, right? you look at the things he brings to the table, uh, all you have to do is realize that the Cubs let go a three-time All-Star to keep a situation where you had two veterans and a young kid in the minor leagues who's been hurt uh, for a couple years in a row as the backup to the two veterans. So you know that David, being a big league catcher for a long time, had incredible um, confidence in the catching situation. Now for Tucker, he's done an excellent job defensively. He just hasn't hit like he's capable. But Jan has done both, and and the leadership that those guys bring, and Jan in particular, because he's playing uh, a lot more. You know, you just you look at it, and and you can see the confidence in, in, in what pitchers do, and how he goes about his work, and you know quite honestly, his offense has been great just about all year too, Bruce. And he he brings a really good big league at bat day after day after day. And late in the game, I love seeing him come to home plate with the game on the line with some situational hitting coming up, you know, where he needs a sack flyer. You need to put the ball in play. He has a great plan and um, it's paid off for the Cubs and the, the catching situation now with Amaya being able to spell these two guys and, learn really from both of them, I think is a really good situation for the Cubs.
4: Ron Coomer, our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse. A few more minutes with Coombe from Cubs Radio. It's Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito here with you today. And Coom, it was uh, maybe a little awkward for some, but Rossi's been you know pushing a lot of buttons with that lineup. And with Sayas Suzuki slumping, he did not hesitate to, to kind of pull him out for a bit. The great thing about that is we've seen Saya come back the last few games and really contribute to the to this uh, offense.
6: Yeah, you know, you get to this point and you make a decision, Mike, that you're you're all in. And I and personally, I I, I thought the Cubs made that decision, you know, going into the season, right? When you sign Tyone and you sign Dansby and you sign these guys, you have veteran catchers. You've got a team, you know, you sign Belly. Um, Mancini, you you make all these, you sign all these guys. So, you know, for me, the chips were already in the middle of the table, you know, and then you, you know, you're, you're close enough. So I thought that was the case, you know, for quite a while. And Bruce, you and I've talked about this many times in the press level of Rigley Field, but when you start looking at the trade deadline and then you make another move and you bring in Candelaria, who's, done an excellent job of, of giving depth to the lineup and creating a left-handed bat on both corners of the diamond and playing defensively well. Um, you, you you tell your team, you, you would do your team a disservice if you didn't make some changes to the lineup the way the lineup was going. You just would. It's just not fair to the group if you're not going to see what's happening and make some adjustments. We could all see it, and Sale was struggling, so he needed to come out of the lineup. The lineup needed to be shifted. You needed to get guys that were swinging the bat and being aggressive at home plate, right up there to top it in the middle, and that's exactly what's happened. Then you look at this offense now, and it's taken off. And I, I just like that whole idea of Talkman's deserved that chance. Nico has done well all year. Dansby and all these other guys need to be clumped up there at the top with Belly, because. When the lineup flips over, you want to have a chance at doing damage. Now this lineup is like that.
5: In closing, with you, Coom, uh, the uh, million-dollar question from me, uh, including discounts, is: Will Chris- Christopher Morel be the most impactful offensive player on the Cubs over the next few years since Sammy Sosa back in the uh, early to
6: mid-1990s? Uh, when you drop Sammy thing, that's 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 big. That. Big name to drop next to Christopher. Sammy's one of the elite players to ever put a bat in his hand in our game. Uh, but I will say this: I, Christopher, has all the makings of that. My my biggest thing about Christopher is just, you know, him getting the work that he needs. He needs to be on the field. You right. know what I mean? It, that's that's my concern. I think he's going to hit. And I watched him yesterday in the cage working on his game in the cage well before the game. This is a cage inside the clubhouse, not on the field. And he's doing that work with his offense. It's the defensive side that somebody needs to take hold of him um, on the defensive side and make it a daily routine of work like they do in the cage hitting. That, to me, is something that's got to happen for him to be this elite player that he's capable of. He's still very raw in defense, and we know that, but... Well, you put that bat in his hand, and he can be a game changer yeah. at any moment. You know, he can Co- that work on defense.
5: You know, Kumi, you bring up a, a great point to, to end our conversation with you. But the reality is, is that you know they talked about him being the uh, Swiss Army knife, but you can't be that until you've accomplished uh, each each particular defensive role and being good at it. And and he hasn't he hasn't gotten there yet. So how about? Just leaving them in one spot and then saying, this is your spot. You're going to play here the next 10 years. Enjoy and work your work your butt off and uh, we'll, we'll work with you.
6: I think that would be great for him, but I just don't know if that's going to be reality, Bruce. I, I would agree with you, but I just don't know if that's going to be the case for the Cubs. And, and that's to be determined. But I do know this, every day that you look out on that field and the Cubs are doing defensive work, he should be with a coach doing that defensive work every single day at a different position or wherever you're thinking his likelihood of being on defense is going to be putting him in left field once in a blue moon and, and him not going out there doesn't do him a lot of good, you right. know, and he's just out there kind of hanging out. So I think that needs to be the focus for him. These last few months, because he's DH and he's, he's in his mid twenties. He's got more energy than 10 people when you see him around the ballpark. So, He's got plenty of energy and plenty of time to do all those things. I, I hope we see that because he is one of those kids that can make a huge impact on the Cubs.
5: Coombe, we appreciate it very much. Mike and I uh, always enjoy uh, talking with you. Uh, bring home a couple more winners there while you're in Toronto, and we'll, we'll see you next week. Big uh, day next Thursday, too. Our, our buddy Joe Madden is going to be around. You're going to be hosting, right? Uh, you're going to be an yeah, uh, emcee. Yeah,
6: Yep, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing the Skipper back in town. I um, had a chance to talk to him the other day. So, yeah, look forward to that with the Special Olympics event, the Club 400. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do that on Thursday. And uh, I might try to sneak in a little golf with uh, with our buddy, too. But it'll be great to see Joe and have him back in town. Um, as you know, Bruce, one of our great friends. So, Absolutely. look forward to that also.
5: Thanks, Coom. You have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Brucey.
6: Great to talk to you guys as always.
4: Thanks, Coom. That's Ron Coomer, our uh, Cubs radio analyst and uh, baseball man uh, extraordinaire, as we know, Bruce. And we'll be listening to Zach and Coom call the game today. It's Justin Steele and Chris Bassett coming up later today on the score in the Xfinity Cubs radio network with a 2-10 pregame. Uh, the Cubs start the day two and a half games behind Milwaukee. As we return, uh, coming back for one more segment here on Inside the Clubhouse, we're going to uh, go back to the White Sox. We wanted to talk about the Liam Hendricks sound that we heard earlier. We also have a piece of tape, uh, Pedro Grifol, talking about Yoan Moncada, who's back. So we'll do all of that when we return. It's Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, and for David today on Inside the Clubhouse on the score.
1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw
6: job by jimenez to work it back to 2-2 leadoff man on Sox would love to cash in
2: eloy cracks went deep to
6: left Yelich looks back it is gone
4: and there you heard it eloy jimenez with a home run yesterday of white sox tv nbc sports chicago inside the clubhouse one more segment with us bruce levine Mike Esposito, and for David today and uh, Bruce, we wanted to uh, talk before we get out of here about uh, Joan Mankata and Pedro Gafol had some things to say about him yesterday.
1: You know what, I'm glad you bring that up Um, because perception sometimes uh, is reality. In this case, it's not. This guy cares more than uh, a lot of people that i have been around in this game. He works as hard as anybody in this game. He cares about his defense. He cares about his offense. He cares about winning. Um, you know, probably can't show this, but if you get here at two o'clock, 2.15, you'll see him in the cage, working on both sides of the plate. You'll see him take ground balls with Eddie. You'll see him in there watching video. You'll see him over there working out. You'll see him go through his through his, uh, through his his rehab and his maintenance work. Um, you know, in this, in in when it comes to Moncada, I don't really care what it looks like to people. I know the real. I know what's real, and um, this guy cares more than a lot of people think.
4: It's an interesting take there, Bruce. I know uh, it's well. What's your take on that? Is that a manager just well, defending his player? Well, I asked him player? the
5: question, Mike. Yeah. Uh, going in, I asked him the question. Uh, there seems to be a perception. Uh, about the body language of Mankata, that uh, he doesn't seem to really uh, show that much energy. And uh, Grafal tried to fill me in on exactly what's going on there. So uh, if you remember back to the World Baseball Classic in the beginning of the year, uh, Mankata was a big star in the World Baseball Classic. He was hitting great for the White Sox to begin the year before his first injury. Now he's been dealing with a, a back injury. And it's been a uh, you know a truncated season for him uh, on the field. It's been uh, not a good season offensively, and um, people uh, continue to wait to see a full season like 2019 when Yon Mancado was in the top five for the MVP in the American League, putting up a great great numbers and just uh, being one of the top players in the game. We're still looking for that in a complete year from him, and uh, it's been a frustrating uh, thing for him, the White Sox, and White Sox fans to watch.
4: Certainly the case. Uh, two hits for him last night, batting cleanup. So we'll see how he does going forward. It's certainly good to hear Graful talk to talk about him in that manner. And Bruce, uh, we are out of time. It's been uh, a pleasure sitting in for David today, and great uh, talking baseball with you as usual.
5: As always, Mike, and we have uh, people to thank, including uh, Brian Anderson, who does great work on the Brewers' TV, <clears throat> Mike Talkman of the Chicago Cubs, Ron Coomer, does our great color analyst for Cub Baseball on The Score. People can follow me on Twitter at 670thescore.com. Uh, on, uh, uh, on, on Twitter, uh, rather, on MLB Bruce Levine and then our website, 670thescore.com. Great job by Sa- Sean Sears and Mike enjoyed it as always david will be back next week thanks for joining us steve rosenblum the only the one and only steve rosenblum next on the score.
0: tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone